Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 102nd Wellness Podcast. I'm Jill Garvin, the Director of Psychological Health for the 102nd Intelligence Wing. I have a couple of guests that I'll be introducing in just a minute. And today, we're going to talk about dispelling the myths that seeking help always results in a negative impact of one's career. Um, first, I'll describe, I'm, I'm going to introduce uh, Colonel Enrique Davalo. Uh, he is the commander of the 102nd ISR group. As a career intelligence officer, he has been filling out the SF-86 and maintaining his clearance for over 28 years. As a three-time commander, he has been an advocate for getting members the support they need to address their health and wellness concerns in a constructive manner. He also recently spent a year at the office of the of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, which took over responsibility for policy and oversight related to security clearances with DOD. And our other lovely guest is Ms. Christy Gardner. She is one of the 102nd ISR group key spouses, and she also is a licensed therapist who's worked extensively with active duty service members and family families. Most recently, she was an embedded therapist with the squadron flying and maintaining Marine One, and then a security forces squadron at a PL-1 installation, which is the highest protection level for, for Air Force assets. And she also happens to be Colonel Davalo's wife. Um, very excited to have both of them here, kind of get the, the formalities out of the way. Uh, one of the reasons... I asked Colonel Davalo here today is because I've, I've known him for several years now that I've, I've been here at the wing, and I have seen him, well, he's an incredible leader, but I've also seen him interact with, with our airmen here and, and our troops, and he is very personable. He, um, he would always seek me out if he had any questions around mental health or, you know, wanted to make sure that um, his folks were getting the help and the support that they needed and, uh, and, and very down to earth and, and people could really, can really, really relate to him. And he also just has a, a very powerful message. And so in September, it is a suicide Prevention Month, and I wanted to get some, have some guests on here that could talk about uh, some different subjects, you know, around seeking mental health treatment, reducing stigma, suicide prevention awareness, uh, anything along those lines. And his wife, Christy, is, is also a licensed therapist, and she's got some great insight and experience as well. And so we really just want to have a conversation together um, in talking about some of the different, again, the, the myth around um, getting help has a negative impact on your career. So we're going to get into that a little bit. And uh, yeah, so welcome both of you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Joe, for having us. It's a great opportunity, and we're uh, suicide within the military community is something that concerns both of us uh, quite a bit, and so we're uh, excited, I think, to... I'm not going to speak for Christy, but uh, I know that I'm excited for this opportunity to, to reach out to the Airmen of the Wing. 
Yes. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Jill. Happy to be here. Glad you're here. Um, and it's also another reason I'm really excited to have both of you here is because as the mental health person here, often the folks that come in uh, to get some support are usually struggling with relationship issues, especially after COVID. I've, I've definitely had an uptick in, in people needing some support around that. And it's important to, to, to talk about and to see what other couples, you know, especially military families, how they, how they cope and what are some of the strategies that they use, maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But one of the things that we're really gonna try to focus on this year at the 102nd, we're really going to pass along um, some tools and some different modalities and some different ideas for folks um, that can help strengthen their, their relationships. So it's really nice to have both of you here. So maybe we can start talking about the SF-86. What is that? Okay, uh, thank you, Jill. I uh, want to start out kind of hammering on a, a point that you made in the introduction, which is uh, that the purpose for us today is really to dispel that myth that getting help has a negative impact on, on one's career. Um, nearly half of current members, uh, based on some surveys that were taken recently, believe that seeking mental health care will either definitely or probably damage their career. And I like to, uh, I'd like to encourage everyone to really take a look at the SF-86 because a lot of times we fill that out as members and, and just roll through it without really reading what every section says. And if you look at section 21, which is the area that talks about mental health treatment and counseling, it says that, and it even bolds and underlines it on the, on the instructions that in and of itself, that is not a reason to revoke or deny eligibility. In fact, seeking, and I'm quoting here from the, from the SF-86, seeking or receiving mental health care for personal wellness and recovery may contribute favorably to decisions about your eligibility. The bottom line when you're trying to get someone's security clearance done is you're checking into whether they are honest, reliable, and trustworthy. And someone who is willing to go out and get help for themselves and improve themselves is definitely going to be more reliable and more trustworthy than someone who lets it degrade to the point where they have to be ordered to get help. And if you look at some of the specific questions in that section, the disqualifying factors are things such as being deemed mentally incompetent by a court, uh, being ordered to get treatment, being hospitalized, or having serious disorders such as psychotic disorder, delusional disorder, borderline personality disorder, which are, are pretty serious conditions, but uh, is not typically what our members are getting help with. As you mentioned, right. it's really about relationships. And so w when you boil it all down, less than 1% of all individuals that seek help have, have their clearance revoked or denied and less than 5% of them experience some sort of career impact. For example, having their duties changed, uh, being assigned to a different section, mm -hmm. maybe having to get another AFSE. But for members that wait until they get a commander-directed evaluation, 40% of those experience a significant negative career impact. Absolutely. I want to repeat that, that less than 1% 
of all individuals that seek help have a clearance revoked or denied. I just had someone last week, we were uh, having a discussion about someone that we were concerned about, and uh, I was talking about some different options in terms of getting help and treatment, and that person said to me, but what about, what impact is that gonna have on their career? You know, it's still, it's just an automatic response from a lot of folks that don't really It is still that. out there. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing about the SF-86 is that they changed the language more right. recently, like maybe in the last year or so. And so it, it is a lot more specific. And and I also want to remind people that, yes, if you... If you call Military One Source, or if you come in and see the director of psychological health because you're going through a divorce, you're having trouble sleeping, you're having some anxiety, um, that's not treatment necessarily, and those aren't you don't necessarily have to report that. But you know, again, folks that have been here at the 102nd that have asked for help, and this is my experience in the last seven years that have gotten help for alcohol abuse or mental health issues have always been very well supported by leadership. They've always wanted them to, to get the help that they need. And um, it hasn't had an impact on their career unless they just weren't able to do that job anymore and they needed to do something else you know, those kind of things. So um, it really is true. And then when we have had command-directed evaluations, we haven't had that many, but when we have, um, yeah, I, it is true that they experience a significant negative career impact because they've waited. And, you know, for those, I always ask folks to reach out and ask for help before something reaches a crisis. If you know you're... If you're starting to go through a divorce or you're you're having some anxiety or work has been a little stressful, like seek out help sooner rather than later. Don't wait for it, you know, to have such an impact that you're having a hard time functioning at work and you're not sleeping, you know, those kind of things. So anyway, that's that's a great Yeah, and I think uh, I think Chrissy's actually got a, a powerful story from uh, from working with the Marines down at Marine One. Mm -hmm. And I think we're talking about things that are stressful right now, but also, you know, when you hit that next level um, of feeling like hopeless and losing hope and uh, the story is about someone who had some suicidal ideation. And of course, working at Marine One, it's a very stressful environment. There's a high ops tempo. People are spending a lot of time away from their families um, on short notice, and they have a lot riding on their career with these Yankee White clearances. So as a result, they're really protective about sharing about their mental health and wellness issues for fear of someone finding out right, or fear that they're going to be seen as weak or not fit for mission. So really, when I worked at Marine One doing a lot of talking to the service members about sleep, scheduling, stress, managing isolation, depression, and agitation. And I know that uh, members had disclosed at medical, uh, a certain member had disclosed at medical about feeling suicidal. Now, the commander was more interested in making sure that that member received support and the member did get support. Uh, the member actually did go to inpatient treatment and then came back out of inpatient treatment and was able to work through a lot of their issues and get back to working 
on the flight line. So, you know, I noticed during that time that a lot of the commanders, active duty and in the guard, the main thing that their priority is about is about getting the people the support they need and back into rotation, right? This is one of the things that uh, Colonel Devalo and I speak a lot about is that point that they've put a lot of time and effort into each member. And the last thing they want to do is pull them from a job or push them over to something else. Do you want to say more about that? Well, does this mean I have to call you Miss Garner? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, that, that's absolutely correct. I mean, for, for those of you that, that don't know, Yankee White is uh, a special clearance that's granted to people who have direct interaction with the president and the vice president. And, um, so obviously there was a lot of pressure around that and it, it's, it's comforting to hear that the Marines, uh, are, have that more nuanced approach that, that we're talking about today, because ultimately as a commander, your focus is on getting the member back into, into service, back to their duties. Number one, because it's the right thing to do. And when we value our people, it reinforces a healthy unit culture. But it also uh, is practical from the standpoint that every person represents a huge investment that we've made as a service in time, money, and energy. Uh, for example, I think the average time that it takes for one of our, uh, one of our airmen in the 102nd ISR group to go from signing their name on the dotted line and after recruitment to being, no kidding, able to perform the mission is about 18 to 24 months. So if you lose a member, it takes 18 to 24 months just to replace them with a, with a brand new airman who then still has to gain experience. And a lot of times we're dealing with members who have, uh, who are maybe a little bit later in their careers because uh, just varying experiences that they've had that are building up and they're not seeking help and and it, it's, it's difficult from a, to, to replace that kind of experience, to replace the training that they've gone through, to replace, uh, replace someone who's gone through polygraphs and different qualifications. It's just a, a huge investment, like I said, in, in time, money, and energy. And so uh, it's, not, it's not practical, and it's not the right thing to do mm-hmm. as far as letting those service members go without attention. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we still have... You know, some of our old timers that still struggle with the idea that that folks should reach out and and ask for help. I, I've seen, I have seen um, some leadership kind of come around over the years. You know, once they see that um, that it it is helpful and it can help mission, it can help their folks. Uh, so I definitely think there's been a lot of improvement. For me, um, I one of the reasons I got into this field is because um, I believe that getting help helps. Uh, I certainly have struggled in my life, and I've gotten outside help. And anytime I'm going through something new or stressful, I, it's just it's habit. I mean, it's instinctual now. I, I make sure that I get myself some support. So I will ask you both, have you ever had to reach out and ask for help? You know, one of the things that we, in looking at talking about this today, we're talking about what's been happening with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And the 
super stress that everybody's been feeling. And the isolation, the not being able to see your family, uh, kids being at home and not at school, and then being with your spouse 24-7. So we were laughing about some of the things that we had been through together during this last six months of being in isolation and uh, some of the ways that we dealt with that. But I think there's definitely times where you notice your worst coping mechanisms coming up. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the things that we definitely started talking about. And I think that's what, Jill, you're referring to is when you are going through something new or stressful and you notice that you're starting to eat pizza every day or watch Netflix for hours on end or have a few more beers than you might have before. And I think those are the times when we were really digging into our tool bags for, do we have a tool for this or do we need to get some outside support right now for some of these habits that we're noticing that might not be as healthy as we want them to be? Right. Over the years, I know that I've definitely had uh, situations where uh, I maybe got into bad coping mechanisms um, and fortunately I've caught myself or had... uh, Coworkers or, or commanders in one case who, uh, who took an interest in, in what was going on in my life and really helped me understand the importance of, of turning it around and getting the help I needed to, whether that was therapy or it was meditation or eating better or the big one, especially in the, with our mission here is sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. That, that has made Getting enough sleep has made a huge difference for me. It just makes your mind work better. It makes your body work better. Uh, and that's that's something that we regularly, uh, I think, violate within the DGS world. Yeah, least. definitely. Um, I'm going to ask more. Well, I, I, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your sleep hygiene? How, because, again, that's one of the things I always look for when folks come in to see me, especially if they say they're not sleeping well or they haven't slept. I mean, it's just such a, you know, big red, red flag. Um, what, what helps you with that, with your sleep hygiene? Um, especially with the that, kind of that's, mission that's that a, you... That's a tough one. I mean, uh, I've noticed me personally... And uh, working out mm-hmm. makes a big makes a big difference. Uh, if I work out, I have a much better time sleeping. If I don't drink alcohol right before bed, it makes a big difference. Uh, I'm one of those weird people that can drink caffeine even right before bed, and it doesn't affect me. Uh, might be my yeah. Spanish heritage, <laughs> right? The, the espressos, <laughs> but um, going to sleep at the same time every night, yeah. like yeah, ish. developing a routine. Yeah, that, a routine. That, you're right. That important. that's huge. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's tough, which is tough. Because uh, especially with our mission here, you have different show times, and yeah, and it's tough when you're going where you're getting home and your your family is maybe just waking up, mm-hmm. and your kids mm-hmm. want to play with you. Or your kid's got a soccer game that you got off shift at like 11 in the morning and you're getting home around noon and now you want to be up in three hours so you can go to your kid's soccer game. Uh, that puts a lot, of, a lot of stress on folks. Yeah. Uh, it's, a lot e- it's actually easier when you're deployed and you are just, all you're doing is eating, sleeping, working out, and doing work. Yeah, I know that's definitely an issue, people that will... Yeah, return home and they haven't slept and then they have to 
carry on. You know, they've got kids to take care of, and um, they're not able to to get that that proper sleep. But it is important, and, and also, you know, trying to unplug from all the social media, you know, is super important. But anyway, that can be a whole other podcast. But I did want to um, highlight what you said earlier about asking for help and how uh, leadership took interest in what you were going through and making sure that you were getting the supports that that you needed, just how impactful and how important that is um, for people to hear. So, yeah, if you, and if you were going to give any advice to, to other leadership and to even some of our younger airmen about seeking help, getting help, what would that be? And That's a difficult question, but... Um, well, so for example... Um, I know it's very hard for people to reach out. It's very, I have people, and I can tell when they've never talked to anyone, they've never considered it. You know, somebody talked them into going at work, you know, to coming over and talking to me, you know, and then they'll say, like, I've never done this before. And, and then I'll try to explain, like, well, this is the process, and when you call a therapist or you go and see a therapist, um, this is kind of what you can expect, and um, you know, just try to explain that process a little bit, um, and also, you know, just the benefits of processing. And you can speak to this too, Christy. Just talking and and processing. Um, your your stuff with someone uh, is is so beneficial um, and so helpful. So yeah, just uh, one of the things I try. Well, before COVID, I was really trying to work a lot with student flight, especially because they're our, our future airmen, right? And really focusing. On, uh, on reducing stigma with them and encouraging them to, it's okay to ask for help and, you know, just really encouraging them to do that. And, um, and yeah, so just, again, if you were to, yeah, give like a young airman advice around seeking help, like what? And I've seen you talk to people. Yep. You know, you make them feel very comfortable. So I, in, so yes, I think. What's the I best think, way for someone to reach out and get help? What's the best way to? Yeah. <laughs> well, there, well, I mean, we have so many diff different avenues. Yeah, it, there it are really depends ways. on. I mean, from a leadership standpoint, what we need to do is we really need to build a culture where we are open to talking to our airmen about uh, about this issue, like the conversation we're having today, right? It is not going to have a negative impact on your career. It's if you take the initiative to address whatever situation is going on with you, uh, that's seen favorably. That is not uh, something to be looked down upon. And reinforcing that message is like the, the best thing probably that we can do as commanders and then be open be serious about your open door policy and, and be willing to listen. Listen, listen, listen. We, listen to what's going on with your airmen, what their concerns are. Don't 
ignore the signs uh, yeah. because a lot of what you're seeing is really just what's bubbling up to the surface. There's a lot of other things going on underneath. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know if you want to talk about the... Well, that's what I was... Right. You're saying what we can do as leaders. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And opening up your eyes. And, and referring right? to resources. And Yeah. Referring to resources, but also not being afraid to say, hey, I noticed recently you haven't been yourself. Hey, I noticed recently... It seems like you haven't been talking with us as much as you used to, or you don't come in to have lunch, or or you haven't been looking so great, or you know, you're always calling in sick on Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> and when we're when we're talking about leaders, we're talking about leaders at all levels, Absolutely. because yes. even even peer leaders, right? Even the youngest airman can be a leader if they're contributing to a healthy unit culture, and you can be if, if we we're going to have. If we're going to be serious about our wingman culture, you know, we always talk about our wingman culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be looking out for each other. We should be saying, "Hey, I, I noticed, like like Christy just said, you know, I noticed that you're acting a little bit differently." Or have that conversation. They're, they're tough to have sometimes, but it's better than the alternative, which mm-hmm. is you wait until it it spirals out of control and the sense of hopelessness is so overwhelming that someone decides to take their life. Yeah, you know, that's. Uh, Deal with it early and maintain those open channels of communication. And again, what's great about the, you know, the Air Force and, and the Guard is, you know, that there are a lot of resources in place. Uh, I mean, I'm here. Uh, people can come in and see me, and, and it is voluntary. But if someone is not comfortable coming in to see me, uh, I mean, someone called me, I think a first sergeant last week and said, they don't want to see anybody from the wing, but they need some resources. They need some help. And so we discussed that and I put a list together, you know, so it's really great that, that we have that. It's, you know, really e- easy to, um, get folks the help that they need with all the resources that, that are available to us. Absolutely. You can look at Military One Source for extra resources. And I think even just talking to someone that's close to you by your office or where you work at every day, right? And saying, hey, this is what's been going on. Have you ever talked to anyone before? Have you ever reached out to anyone in the wing? Uh, Do you have anyone that you know of that's good? One of the greatest things about the Guard is a lot of people have local connections, right? Mm -hmm. So you can ask someone who they see in the community and what they want to, or what kind of things they have to offer uh, for how they feel better. You know, talking about therapy, talking about uh, being outside. That's one of the things that we definitely do for our mental health is we try to get outside. We try to get moving. We try to connect as much as we can with others around us right now, Zooming with our families Mm -hmm. and friends. And I think as we're talking about what does it look like when someone close to you is having a problem. You know, I think that's one of the other things that we talked a lot about. And what I see a lot is when people lose kind of their connection to the mission or lose connection to the people around them, or let's say they're getting close to retirement age. This is when we start to see that pulling away, right? And I think it's a really pivotal time for members to reach out and say, hey, I I noticed something's going on. Or even for you, if you're the person that's feeling like you've lost some connection to the mission or the people around you, really time to notice that, 
you might be seeing things with a negative lens, right? right. Whatever color glasses you might be wearing might not be pink anymore. They might be black. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things that Enrique and I like to say a lot is how you do anything is how you do everything. So Very if true. you're starting to see everything is negative or saying <clears throat> this situation sucks, uh, whatever you focus on is going to expand, right? You're going to start to see everything that sucks all around you all the time. So I think that's one of those places where we start to notice that we might need to shift up some of the things that we're doing day to day and the people we're talking to and the way we're talking to get some support with our mental health and to take some agency, yeah, you know, absolutely. And I'm still observing and kind of figuring my way out through this um, COVID and people returning after we were teleworking. And like I said earlier, a lot more people are are reaching out and are seeking help, which I'm. I'm glad for, but we still don't really know what the bigger impact is going to be down the road, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. And so I sometimes feel like I'm kind of on the edge of my seat of like, what is this going to look like for everyone? You know, how is this going to turn out? What do I need to be doing? Um, because you know, there's no instruction manual for this and guidance for this that we're all kind of, you know, blindly figuring this out. But but it is a concern, and I do want to make sure, too, that we – what are we doing here at the wing to make sure we're taking care of each other? Somebody mentioned to me yesterday, John from Safety, actually, um, about usually in June, you know, we would have, like, after AT, the burger burn, and, you know, a, a time for everybody to kind of unrelax, to relax and socialize, and we're un unable to do those things right now. And I know a lot of the, the groups, you know, do, do some of their own things to boost morale, but, but I want to have that discussion, too, and really look at what are some of the things that we could be, what are some of the, create some creative things that we could be doing that we haven't and before, you know, just how kind of Zoom got really big during COVID and created a lot of um, other avenues and paths for folks. But uh, I, I know that's something that, that we're really that we're really looking at here too. Figuring out what we need. Yeah, it's really difficult difficult to uh, strengthen that sense of community and develop those connections, like like Chrissy was talking about um, when you. Oh, I have to maintain at least six feet yeah. separation. You can't gather in large groups and you know, family day isn't going to happen. Yep. Um, so at least not the, in the format that we're used to. And so actually, Christy and I were talking about this over dinner last night. Is, it, is there a way to creatively bring back that, that ability to, to connect people um, in today's environment? And we don't know the answer to that just yet, but it, right. it, I know that it's something that she's going to take a look at as with the other key spouses, Good. At, least uh, for our, I, at least for our group. I'm really glad that you brought up the word connect because the, the DOD um, saying this year for suicide prevention is connect to protect. 
And so, again, one of the things that we really try to focus on is what are some different ways? And maybe we can kind of end on uh, some highlight maybe some resources and different ways to connect, you know, everything from, you know, Zoom calling with our families to to um, exercising. And, and again, the challenge being with social distancing right now, how can we still somehow stay connected? I always like to give people the example of you know, having six or seven, like, connections, supportive connections, not necessarily six or seven best friends, but just positive connections, whether that's, um, you know, exercise and, um, you know, certain hobbies and stuff that you do, that that's, that's really important. So, yeah, do you guys have any other, some... How to connect during COVID. Yeah. We talked yesterday a little bit about what are some important things that we've been doing? And I think through everything, I know it's hard for people to have kids at home and how do you connect? And I said, there's no stopping life right now. It just seems like it just keeps coming and there's no getting away from it. So we talked about how do we make time for dates, whether that means even a stay at home date Mm -hmm. or, you know, making dinner or playing a game We've been really into playing cards lately because it's just something fun to do. Like, how do you just have fun again with your spouse, partner, or or your family? Like, what are the things that you actually do that are fun? And how do you make time for those again? Because that's where we connect, right? It's not in our day-to-day work or to-do list or fixing up the house or going to the supermarket, right? We connect while we're enjoying each other. And Mm -hmm. how do we bring back in that time to do that? What's been your funnest connection during COVID? You guys cook <laughs> yeah, together or anything? Yeah. Uh, well, we were. Yeah. We were doing a lot of good cooking together. Yeah. I mean, right now it's a little bit difficult uh, living, who, out, living who, out of a camper. Oh, who who is overcooking, though, in general, right? Like, I'm just like... Can we be done cooking our own meals every yeah. day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go out again. No, but, uh, I mean, even simple things, right? Uh Going down to the pond with the kids and going out for just a walk and enjoying enjoying nature. I mean, right now uh, it's finally gotten to the point where it's not so muggy anymore. We've got a nice crisp uh, air moving in in the so morning. Nice. Go out for a nice uh, walk, walk the dog, or just just get out there and, and breathe some fresh air. Yeah, uh, that's not so, as muggy as it was the past couple of weeks. And uh, just something as simple as that, listening to the birds. You know, yeah. uh, take the time, mm-hmm. taking time. For self-care, that that's been huge. Uh, there's a there's a big difference. Um, it, Christy was uh, was watching me at, at work this morning, and it's just I'm run run run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of the person I, I am. But so that that results in me getting home at the end of the day, kind of frustrated, uh, a little bit agitated, uh, anxious. Um, so it takes me. I, if I don't sit down for 10 to 15 minutes and just kind of clear my mind and, and, and meditate, whether that's decompress, just hanging out in the driveway before I walk in the door, or if it's no kidding, sitting on uh, sitting on a pillow and, and really meditating, uh, it's it makes a huge difference in how I interact with her, um, how open I am to 
to our relationship and, and furthering that. And going back to what you said at the beginning, the impact on relationships are where we is the most common way that the stress begins to show itself. And those and and all the buildup of the hopelessness or the whatever whatever angst you're feeling inside, that's where I think it manifests itself first, um, because those are the people who are closest to us and they see us uh, more clearly. Yeah. Um, and we have to be mindful of that and really nurture our our relationships with our our spouses, our partners, uh, because. We can be ugly with them sometimes, and they'll take it. Um, but that's uh, that's only continuing the downward spiral. Yeah. And so we have to really take the time to take care of ourselves and be pay- really recognize those signs of of when things are getting too much to be. Uh, and for me personally, like I remember a situation where. I snapped at, at one of my kids uh, once, and that's when I realized, hey, I I need to – I have – that caused me to, to just say, hey, why am I being like this? And right. reflect of, oh, yeah, it's probably because I haven't gone for a run in two months. You know, right. or it's – when you get out of – it's easy to slip out of the routine, but when you, when you do slip out of the routine, you need to be mindful of – you just need to be constantly monitoring yourself yeah. so that when things change – can kind of trace notice, back to where yeah. where that's stemming from. Yeah, I like that you mentioned meditation and we're always I'm always sending out different resources. You know, the the COVID coach or COVID app from DOD is one of the best products that they've put out. It has all kinds of meditations and resources. There's a million things out there. Um, I think that's Super, super important. There was something else you mentioned I wanted to say. Um, but yeah, meditation, really, really positive. Any any other kind of lasting thoughts or words? Oh, I know what I wanted to say, sorry, about relationships. Uh, you guys were talking about some different things that you do. The, the podcast I did with Aaron from Family Readiness is this year we're really focusing on relationships at the wing, like I mentioned, and we're using the Gottman Institute and and some of their tools. And so they have an app that's called the Love Deck, and it's really fun. And it's my husband and I use it as a way to connect. We'll take like 15 minutes, and there are questions you would never even think of asking someone, like, who's your favorite relative from 1970? Or, you know, just some random questions. But it really does help build connections. So even things like that are are really helpful too. Yeah, we've got that app on our phones. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't use it as much as we should. But. Yeah. And I think that's exactly, Jill, what we're talking about, making time for each other okay. and to enjoy each other is so yeah. important right now. Yeah, definitely. So I really appreciate both of you being here. Um, very helpful. And again, I, I appreciate the culture that we have here at the wing. Uh, I know Colonel Davalo. Again, I've, I've seen you interact with, with your people, and you have a great way of connecting and of, of helping folks. And I'm really glad that you were willing to come on and, and talk about this because it, it sends a really strong message and encourages people 
to seek help, you know, when, when they need to. So I appreciate it very much. And thank you, Christy. And you're welcome to come back anytime. I know you've got lots of, uh, I'm always looking for anything around mental health or anything you kind of special in or you would like to discuss, uh, we can do anytime. Excited to, to help be our here. wingmen. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Jill, Jill, it's been a pleasure. Like I said at the beginning, this is a topic near and dear to both our hearts as far as uh, going into Suicide Prevention Month. So uh, yeah. glad to be here. Glad we could help. And uh, as everyone knows in my group, I'm glad to philosophize ad nausea. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. And everyone have a great day. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me, you can find me on the global. And I, any questions or suggestions you have, please reach out. Thank you.